This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The share it with a friend deal. Even if that friend is yourself. Your McDonald's, your rules. Live your best morning with BOGO breakfast sandwiches only on the McDonald's app. Now buy one bacon, egg, and cheese McGriddles or sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and get a second one free. Valid for item of equal or lesser value. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Valid one per day. Excludes one, two, three dollar menu. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman. Joining me right now is Emilio Donnell, and we have two very special guests, Fulham legends Gordon Davis and Rob Wilson. This is a special episode. It is an evening with these two Fulham legends. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff. We're going to start off by talking about the Fulham season so far through their eyes, and Emilio and I will share our views as well. The second part of the show is going to be really a deep dive into the midfield with Rob and For the strikers up front, it'll be a deep dive with Gordon. We're going to get their thoughts on how we can get, in their opinion, moving forward for us to be scoring more goals. We're going to concentrate in the midfield and, of course, up front. The third part of the show is going to be a Q&A. We're going to have Janos Janais join us for the end of the show, and he's going to be answering or actually asking your questions that you leave for us for Gordon and Rob, and he'll share his own. But before we do anything else, I want to welcome everyone to the show first. Gordon, how are you doing? Welcome back to the show. It's been a while. Yeah, it's nice nice to be back, and uh, it's nice to see some, uh, shall we say, well, although they're not smiling at the moment, uh, the other two guys, Emilio and Rob, um, the position that we're in, <laughs> that we find ourselves, people should start smiling now, from now until I the agree. end of the season, in my view. I, I yeah. agree there, Gordon. I agree. Rob, thank you for joining us once again. You, you were with us recently for the mental health episode, which again, I, I've got a lot of positive response. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for joining us tonight. Yeah, no problem. It's good to be back. Nice to see Gordon face to face. And yeah, it's uh, on the back of a, a fantastic seven days last week. Um, you know, who'd have thought we'd have done what we've done. Three clean sheets, seven out of nine, some good polished performances. Uh, and the results are going our way. And we go into this weekend with um, 
a lot more uh, optimism than we did probably two or three weeks ago. Absolutely. And uh, I look forward to talking to both of you. Emilio, you're looking forward to doing the show tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, what was it? Before, just before the season started, didn't we? We had that prediction show. Obviously, it's been, what, five months that all four of us have been on together? Yep. You know, we're all mainly half glass full people, but, you know, some, you know, <laughs> Gordon, I know in particular, obviously, you're more bullish than I am, but. Overall, you know, we have got a lot to look forward to over the, ne- over the next hour and for the rest of the season, to be honest. I think, you know, we've given ourselves the best chance to to survive this year. You know, I think four weeks ago, it was looking, a, you know, looking a little bit iffy. You know, we had some tough games, but, you know, we've, I think we've turned the corner. Decisions are starting to go our way. I think we're getting yep. a bit of luck and, and we're getting some good results. We just have to continue that momentum. There's, there's enough games there to get the points that we need. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, to reconvening with, uh, with the two legends on the show tonight. It should be great. I can't wait to get going on. And I just want to mention, if you are watching live and you want to ask our Fulham Legends a question, please put it in the uh, comment section. We might be able to get to it. Like I said, we are going to end the show with uh, questions from the Fulham supporters and also from Giannis. So I just want to mention that. But, but let's get going into this. And, Gordon, I'm going to start with you. And, and again, we're, we're going back, and, we're, and I just want you to revisit what you were thinking about before the season began, so again, what were your expectations? Let's revisit that, and then we'll talk about the season so far. Well, as, as Emilio said, um, although I'm a bit more positive than the majority of Fulham supporters when we get promoted, um, I did say that I thought that we could finish around about the 14th mark. I remember. Yeah. At, this, at this moment in time, I think uh, 14th is probably only six, seven, eight points in front of us. Um, and there's still a chance, but a good season when you look at the squad that we had and obviously the, the late signings of people, yep. which happened again, um, yep. then fourth off bottom uh, would have been a good result for us to, to stay up and consolidate yourself and, wor- and work from there. So I think we're in the position where we can uh, get out of the, uh, the bottom three and not just by one, but perhaps by two or three places. See, this is why I wanted Gordon back because he, he gives me this positivity. I'm now feeling even better now. Thank you, Gordon. Rob, over to you again. Let's revisit where you were before the season began. Yeah, uh, I, I, Emilio might have the uh, exact facts of what we all predicted on come come that night of the show. I can't remember. But I think I would have been similar to Gordon. I'm always uh, – my, my, my aspirations for Fulham are always higher than probably most of our, uh, our supporters. But – like Gordon says, yeah, I mean, after the horrific start that we had, you know, and, and to turn it around to, to sit where we are now, we've given ourselves a, a grand opportunity of really, you know, clawing them two or three teams above us, not just the Newcastle and the Burnley and Brightons. Um, you know, we, we've got to keep the, keep the form going, which we've endured. Yeah, two weeks ago, we were probably identifying that we had too many draws and then all of a sudden... That draw in between the two defeats gives us, you know, them draws look good. And we've gone six unbeaten away from home. And I think, you know, the the signs are there that we've given ourselves a real good opportunity. You know, we can't get too ahead of ourselves because one defeat could knock the confidence and all of a sudden you're on the back foot again. It's going to be game by game, week by week. But we're in, we were in fantastic form since you know, the last 10, 12, 10 or 11 games. So I think we can, I think we really can continue that right through to the end of the season, even against the bigger teams. I think we will give them a game. Whereas if they'd have caught us early on in the season, we probably would have got a, a rolling over like we did the first four or five games. Well, what's interesting, Rob, and I'm glad that you said that because uh, I watched an interview with Roy Hodgson after the Crystal Palace match. 
And uh, and I, I told you this, Emilio, w- w- an interesting tidbit, because he talked a lot about Fulham after the match. And one of the things he said is that Fulham can beat anyone right now except for Man City. Now, that's high praise coming from Roy. And and uh, he had nothing but praise for Fulham. And I think that just tells you, and your eyes should tell you, we can play with everyone and except for, like I said, Man City, Rob. Mm. Oh, most definitely. I mean, we proved that against the Liverpool this season at home and Man United. You know, we've... We've given them, we've given them a good game, and you know we should have come out in the better of both of them in in some capacity. But yeah, I think Man City are streets ahead of everyone. Yeah, yeah. and you know as long as we can contain them uh, and and don't get you know a, a good turning over, which I don't think we are. Judging by the way we've been defending the last ten or twelve games, I don't think anyone's going to roll us over between now and the end of the season. I totally agree with that. Okay, over to you, Emilio. Let's revisit you and uh, what what you were thinking. I, I remember vividly, but to share it with our audience, your thoughts before the season began. Again, yeah, the Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you for that, Gordon. Thank you yeah, for that. Gordon. You know, people know me. Come on, I'm a, I'm, I'm a pretty optimistic, half glass you know, full person, but at the same <laughs> time, realistic. And I remember the time. I think uh, for me, it was finishing seventeen. I think I, was, I mean. It, I predicted finishing 17th and two reasons for that. A, defence. We've, we've, we've talked to death about that. Past. And I remember I got a lot of abuse for saying we're not going to score enough goals this season. I said it before the season started. Well, that Mitch, turned out to be true. Yeah, Mitrovic is, is not, is not a, doesn't score enough goals for me and there's not enough depth in that squad. You know? And, you know, for me it was 17. As long as you finish 17, like Gordon says, consolidate, do what Aston Miller did last year and then you build on that and you strengthen. And uh, we've given ourselves a great chance to do that, but it's... You know, I'm not surprised we are where we are, and that's that's the bottom line. But you know, it looked a little bit perilous a few weeks, like I've said. But you know, we've turned the corner. We yeah. are difficult to beat. We're getting some good results. There are winnable games coming up. I know we've had a lot of debate with some of our fans about we needed those six wins. Well, we've got two of those six wins. You know, minimum another four, and possibly more some draws. Maybe if, that's what we need. If we get those, but the worry is. You need a team really to slump, don't you? I think, to be honest, really, the Newcastle are on a bit of a bad form. They're inevitably going to start winning one or two games. Brighton, maybe Brighton, that's going to set them back. That that last minute defeat against Palace, that was that hard. Was that hard. has to be hard for them. It needs a team who's going to sort of drop quite aggressively, and then we can then push on. And maybe like Gordon, instead of finishing seventeenth, we can finish fifteenth to sixteenth. But stay in the division, and we'll and we'll. We'll invest next year and we'll press on. We'll have the stadium full, new stadium, yep. 25, what, 30,000 spectators. There's a lot to look forward to. But, yeah, let's just – we've got 10, 11 games now just to close this season off. So, yeah, I think, I think most fans are optimistic now. Okay, excellent. All right. Rob, I'm going to go to you. Let's talk about the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. I wanted to pretty much lead up to the end of the transfer window because I, I think we saw a different form team, obviously, after the window. So – it was always going to be difficult because of the quick turnaround. We, we knew that. But your thoughts on, on uh, what happened at the beginning of the season and do we really just focus on the fact that, you know, I hate to put it this way, a lot of these players came in late and it took a while for it all to gel. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, going into the championship final in August and then kicking off the season in September, you know, the lads having probably a two-week turnaround and not a lot of rest. Um, signings coming in, you know, we were awful them first four or five games. Oh, and we, ju- we duly got our, our bum spanked, you know, because uh, uh, we wasn't, I don't think we were geared up. I think it was, I don't if Scott would be honest, he probably, you know, made some mistakes, some team selections and 
and the formats and the ga- the way we went into this division, you know, like uh, like we did probably two years ago. Uh, but quickly he, he realised that and turned it round. And you know, some of the some of the key players who you thought might be be able to adapt to the Premiership, i.e., Hector. Uh, you know, the, they That's were just found. One that they, I'm they were, thinking about. They were really found. Struggling. They were found wanting yes. this time. You know, so um, I mean, the, the beauty of it, Scott realised, is where we needed to, to 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 tighten up. And you know, that back four, since we've got them in between the you know the transfer opening and, and, and closing, has been fantastic. And they've been very very consistent. Anderson's been a, a revelation, as is yep. Tossin. You know, that two partnership there is, is probably as good as Hangeland and and and. <laughs> Well, that's, that's going back that's, to that's, yeah, that's, yeah, that's high going, praise. That's high and, praise. And probably going probably going back to as good as Brownie and Gailey. But wow. yeah, they 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 don't look like they concede. They defend well. They're proper good defenders. You know, they can see danger. Yeah, they they both have a little bit of a lapse every now and again. But the constant pressure you're under in the Premiership with the mm-hmm. with the strikers of you know playing on the on the, on the edge or on the, like Vardy on the on, on the shoulder, you know, do you gamble? Do you try and play offside and rely on a linesman being up with play or a VAR decision? So, you know, they the back four, whether he's changed fullbacks intermittently, um, they've done very, very well. And I think someone like Tete coming in and showing that aggression and, you know, he's a proper fullback who likes yes. to get forward, but he loves to tackle. Yeah. Um and, and you know, and he's adapted well. Young Robinson's he struggled a bit recently. Obviously, that's why he's probably lost his place. Um, it's going to be difficult for him to play regular that sort of level to to attain the, the 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 level you need to. Obviously, Joe as well. You know, as much as he cut it in the championship, he was found a little bit wanting in in the Premiership, uh, and that's why Anton got his uh, got his place. Um, but now we've looked solid this last ten or twelve games, and it's no surprise to me that we went on. You know, we have not conceded as many goals as we did that first quarter of the season. Okay. Over to you, Gordon. Again, what's interesting, what Rob said, it sounds like he's talking about the evolution. And I want to get your thoughts on Scott Parker in just a bit as well. But him learning what can work and what wasn't working at the beginning of the season. And also, it was really the issue of of really finding that back for it. It took a while, obviously, because we had players still coming in. So your thoughts at the beginning of the season, do you fall on what Rob just said or do you have any other uh, thoughts on it? No, I follow on from uh, from what Rob is, is saying. I slightly disagree that, that that Scott changes things pretty quickly. He may be doing that now, but initially I thought he was a bit too stayed in his ways and okay. and didn't want to change. Now, if you if you start talking about what the supporters were on about even last year and, and Parker Ball, that worked to a certain extent in the championship. But if you go back, what is it, fourteen months? to the Man City game in the FA Cup up at the Etihad. I, w- I was invited up there by, by City to watch the game. Yep. And we did what we were doing the previous season. We were playing the ball out from the edge of our six-yard box from one centre-half to the other. We went down 1-0 within, I think, six minutes. We then went down 2-0, trying to play out from the back with a penalty. And I think it was Ream that got sent off. So we're two down within... 10 minutes and then you think well we've got to slightly change now and just go a bit longer but literally for the rest of the 80 minutes he tried to play out of the from the back with 10 men against the best one of the best teams in Europe um, and when we did try a long ball it was just one, one of the youngsters was, was playing up front so yep. I, I, I was speaking to two, two of the players 
halfway through the championship year, um, Bobby Decker Dover Reed and Harrison Reed. And they asked me, what did I think of the way that we were playing? And I said, well, to be perfectly honest with you, I, th- I said, we don't change. We play plan A from start to finish. I yeah, said, when you've got Mitrovic up there, he's got the ability and we've got the ability at the back to, to pick him out, then play off him. I said, but if we play off him, we always go square again. And it's been happening this season. We always go square and we've never got anybody going in behind him. Um, mm-hmm. When Dean and myself played with Rob just behind us, yep. Rob was close enough that if there was a flick on and I didn't go for it, or if we split, Rob was coming through the middle. We've yep. never had, if you want to call him an attacking midfield player, I'd probably call mm-hmm. him a number eight these days, I don't know, um, to, to vary our style of play. When he got a, 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 a decent back four in to, to play at this level, it yep. gave him options. And I think in one of the programmes that we did last year, early in the season, um, I said with, with Robinson coming in, what you may find is that um, Joe Bryan and Robinson play both on the left side and you get an attacking one going forward and one dropping back because they can both defend to a certain extent and they can both attack. So I think it has been an evolution. I think you've got to give praise to Scott where it's due and he has changed the formation. He went to five at the back and he played with sort of wing backs and Bobby Decker over readers fitted into that sort of style of play. Um, it's just further forward, as you said, Russ. It's the final third, and, and Emilio, it's that final third where we've struggled now for a season and a half. And I That's think right. that is something that we'll be discussing more of later in the show. But fair play Absolutely. to Scott. He has changed it. He's now uh, got a different style of play, and we are mixing it up. And you've only got to look at Luckman's goal from... Uh, a couple of games ago, one ball from the back, he's in and he scores. So we can do it, but we need to change it up every now and again and not be, not play the same formation or plan from minute one to minute 90. Totally agree there. And, and we're definitely, that's going to be a huge focus coming up because the issue is the final third, Gordon. And uh, we'll talk about that in the second part of the show. Milo, I want your thoughts on what the guy shared here. Yeah, I totally agree with both of them. Obviously, different perspectives. You know, what Gordon said, I agree with in the sense that, you know, Scott has been a bit reticent at times to change things. And I think we've been not critical, but I think we've we've called him out on some of the, the full-time shows straight after the game. Maybe substitutions have been a little bit too slow or hasn't mixed it up a little bit. I think, look at the Sheffield United game, to Gordon's point. It took a direct, you know, pass from Anderson that changed the game and Lukman scored a great goal. You know, had we continued to play Parker ball, maybe we would never have scored the rest of that night. So mixing up is key. I think that we can be a little bit predictable at times. I know we're difficult to break down. We're not going to get spanked, like Rob said, this season. But I'd like to, I'd like to see a bit more variety, a bit more, you know, we, we, some, like, look at the way Everton. Everton gave us the freedom of the, the pitch and they maybe gave us too much respect and we, we took advantage of that. But for me, that Parker ball principle doesn't work when you've got teams gunning at you. Like, you know, Sheffield United... Not pretty, but you know they've given their dues. We it took a great cross and a good goal from Lockman to to win the game. Right, twice we've struggled. You know West yep. Brom. We should have we should have beaten them comfortably. We should have closed the game out up before half time. That'll be another two points on the board. West Ham. Sometimes you just need to be a little bit more brave. Make a few 
tactical changes with our substitutes, more timely changes, and maybe we, we may get more reward. But Scott Parker, let's let's be honest, he's done. A, he got us promoted in his first season, yep. and he's learning every day. So you know, at the end of the day, fans who want him out, then you know, just take a reality check. He's going to be here for the long haul, whether we get relegated or not. So I think we've got to work with him, give him the tools, and hopefully we will change our style of thought. I think we just need a bit more variety because we can be a bit predictable. Right. When teams close us down, we struggle to find a way through. And you know, when we're basically the, the opposing team is just giving us no space, we we lack a bit of quality. Maybe we like, we'll talk about it in a minute when we look, talk about the midfield. Yes, you know, have, who's got a, who's got that quality in midfield? Who's got a Rob Wilson in our? Who's our Rob Wilson in our, in our team at the moment to break? Have that bit of quality, you know, getting that, you know, cut through a def, uh, an opposing defence. We're missing that at the moment at times. Okay, and we're going to get to that in just a second. Before we do. I'm going to go back over to you, Gordon, because uh, good stuff from all three of you. And I want to talk about the progression since the Leicester City match. We'll include that. And you've already talked about how Fulham have uh, tweaked their formation. In fact, it started, I believe, with the Leicester City match. And then they've, again, Parker has tweaked it again. Let's talk about that because I also want to focus on something Emilio said because this is – a very good point. Fulham have played very well against some of the bigger sides that give us the space to play. Let us play. But when we play Brighton and we play Sheffield United, they don't have the space and it affects how we play. So maybe this goes back to what you were talking about with Parker, maybe needing to tweak his tactics a little bit. But I want to get your thoughts on our progression. Well, you look at the – it's always easy to say it's been a season so far of – in a way, two halves. As Rob mentioned, the first 10 games, we, we weren't at the races. I think we won two of the first 10 and uh, got beaten well by Arsenal, by Villa. And even if you think of the Leeds game away, we score three goals away from home, which is the first time we've done it in a while, and yet we end up losing 4-3. Uh, so the first 10 games, uh, I think... Things could have been changed after four or five because we weren't at the races. The next fifteen, as you say, from the from the Leicester game, uh, we started. We've won a couple. We've drawn nine, as Rob mentioned earlier. We've tightened up at, at the back because of those, right. shall we say, new back four that we've got. They've all yep. settled in. They've all settled in well and put other people under pressure to say, "You've got to be at this level if you want to get back in the team." But it's um, it, it, it's been a uh, a slow move forward for us, but that slow move forward have, has, has given the players confidence because, as Rob mentioned, for the last ten or twelve games, we, we've if we've lost, we've lost to the top teams. But as That's you right. say, we draw at home against Liverpool, we beat Leicester away, we beat Everton away. We've shown that we can do it against the bigger teams who may well drop off or big. Perhaps not give us the, the the credit that we can play football, and even the Man United game at home. Mm. I would probably say, looking at Pogba's goal, the last thing you want to do with any international player is stand off him when he's 18, 20 yards out. You may as yep. well say to him, "Go on, have a shot, see if you can <laughs> score." Nine times out of ten, it. <laughs> The keeper might save it or it might go wide. But the one time that it goes in, when you don't close yeah. somebody down on the edge of the box, and I I look at mm. that goal and I blame Joe Bryan for watching mm. him come across and yep. not stepping two yards out. And that's the difference between blocking a shot or making him pass it square rather than saying, get your head up, have a look, 
pop it in top corner. So the, the, the second, fifth, well, not the first 10, the, the second game, 15, 16 games, we've done remarkably well. And it, each draw has given the players and, the, and the, the, the management the confidence to go into the next game. And I think with the, the, the two wins, as Rob said, the two wins, uh, oh, the, the last three games, it's given the, the players and the, and the squad so much confidence that now we can get out of this position. They're on a bit of a roll and everybody's looking at Fulham now that those five or six teams above us, they are looking at us because we are the ones that are putting a run together, albeit one draw three or four, uh, one win, three or four draws. Yeah. But we are the team that is on form at the moment. And I think it's putting pressure on the teams above us. And when you put that little bit of pressure on them, then they start making mistakes as well. So I think we're in, in a good position, especially after the start that we had to the season, which was diabolical. I totally agree. Over to you, Rob, your thoughts on uh, what Gordon said and, and share your thoughts about where we have I guess, progress since Leicester City. Yeah, I mean, it's it's there for all to see. The progression's been fantastic since the Leicester game. And and like Gordon says, I think the confidence the lads have built on by, you know, going on these good performances and picking up the draws here and there, where some of the games we should have won, uh, some of the games, you know, were were that close that them extra two points, as we say, should have have been on the board. West Brom should have been out of sight. That was the most frustrating game I've ever watched. Mm -hmm. You know, so... You know, the, the lads have, uh, seem to have, you know, I, I see the style of play, the quickness between the thirds when we get behind the midfield of some of these teams where we can get past them. You know, our game seems to change game by game. We, we look a little bit, personnel look a bit sharper. Loftus-Cheek's been a revelation, I think, the last five or six games. He's grown in stature in terms of fitness and he's and he's, he's more, more demanding of the ball and he's more impetus in the game. Um, so that that's been pleasing on the eye because I, like many others, were probably critical of him that that he hadn't, you know, we probably jumped down his uh, throat too early. But he has got better and better each game, and you know he's going to be a key player between now and the end of the season. He still needs to add goals and assists to his game because I think they're lacking. Mm-hmm. If he's going to be our number ten, then you know for him to stay in the side, he has got to add goals and assists to his game because you know other than one goal and no assists from for, from the games, even though he's growing. Uh, after a serious injury, you know he should be he, he should be doing what Madison's doing and Grealish are doing. I agree. You know, adding goals and and assists when you play in that in that high profile position. But you know the 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 confidence is there. I know from 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 the squad and you know and and the staff and you know we are the form team. We're momentum. So like Gordon says, the teams above us will will be definitely looking over their shoulder and thinking Fulham are picking up you know points and points. And you could see it in Newcastle. They looked nervous the other night when they played. Mm-hmm. Even Bruce looked nervous. Looked very uh, nervous. Right, and were unlucky the other night, obviously, against uh, against um, Palace. And, Rob, do you think they're but, starting to feel it a little bit? Yeah, I think they will. I think Newcastle have felt it for games. I, I think, I, and honestly, I've seen them a couple of times live on telly, and I really can't see them getting out of it. So as long as we keep continuing our form and picking up results here and there, I'm quite confident we can definitely clear them and probably one or possibly two more above that. Because wow. Burnley have always got a few games I'm in them to better, win, but then they can, go, they can go three or four games without mm-hmm. winning, you know? So the, them and Brighton are, are a bit yo-yo-ish, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff. Over to you, Emil. I want your thoughts on what the guys just shared, and feel free to share your thoughts, and then we'll move on. I think rather than repeating what the guys have said, which I agree with, you know, 
look at look at all the other positives. How many clean sheets have we kept this season as well? Great point. You know how many? You know it's unheard of in the Premier League. Even in the in the this reminds me when you know some of the early seasons that we were keeping. You know Roy Hodgson nil nil away results, grind out a good tough away results. You know that's what we're, we're difficult to beat. You know how many how many how many nil nils have we had this season? Clean sheets, quite a few. So that's testament to the way that back four in, in particular, you know, gelled together and 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 a good, a good a good reading and understanding with each other. You know, I think I, I agree with Loftus Sheer. We've said it quite a few times on recent shows. That, you know, he has grown in stature. He's more commanding. He just needs a goal. You he know, does. Rob's one hundred percent right. He's, he's very. He's getting closer and closer. You know, it's the Brighton moment. At the end, of, you know, I thought, damn it. You know, a bit more confidence, a little bit more composed. That could have been in the back of the net. We were snatched an undeserved victory, but it was that close. Similarly, you know, it's, he's getting. I just closer. think one, one other one other point. I, I think we're probably over, overlooking here. We keep saying the back four, but. Thinking about it, it should be a back five because yeah, that goalkeeper. That goal, we that haven't goal even mentioned that goalkeeper. Kept, kept we have us not in mentioned many a game. Areola, I can't believe it. We haven't mentioned him. Yeah, and we've had less. If you think about it, it's less man of the match performances from Areola recently because <laughs> it's a it's a defender in front of him and protecting. Good sign. Yeah, Ten, twelve games ago, yep. Areola kept us in the game, and you know he made some outstanding saves. But he's made a few mistakes recently. But, but again, he's an yeah. outstanding keeper. I think he's he's the best we've had probably since Van der Sar. To be honest, we look back over. We've we've been blessed with good goalkeepers over the years, haven't we? We've we have. and our Schwartz was a bargain signing. We've got Ariola now, but we we need to keep these players. We need to stay in this division, and then we can buy buy these players outright, and then we can push on like Aston Villa have done this season. But there's a lot to look forward to. But it's yep. where I get frustrated is you know the Liverpool game. We could have been two or three up in that game, and just lacking a bit of quality in front of goal. You know, West Ham, it's the same themes here. It's just like something Parker maybe just changed it a little bit. Maybe we could have. Yep. I don't, don't buy the issue that we haven't got enough quality at the, up front as the only but, reason. Sometimes we have to be a little bit more brave. I agree. Maybe, I, uh, I, I, think, I think you're right, Emilio, but I think at the end of the day, it's the, the players who've got themselves in really good positions that are missing yeah. these chances, you know, that are key decisions. As much as Lookman's been really good and he's a game changer. He is missing, or he, he's missing chances, enough. or he misses. He, he, he looks yep. a bit lax, lackadaisical sometimes. He, he's yep. look, he's great on the eye, and he's been a match winner yep. for us. But I've been, I've been frustrated with him a few times where, you know, he, he's either been too greedy, or he's took one touch too many, or he's, you know, so uh, if he had that off. little bit more extra quality, we'd have, we'd yeah. be sitting on another six points. Yeah, yeah, and, and I've called him out post Christmas, and I think we're <laughs> going to talk about this in a moment because I think yep. COVID, you know. Lookman, you know, I think was one of the players who had COVID. So, to yep. be, so how much has COVID affected some of these players? Anguissa is not the player he was pre-Christmas. You know, there's there's a reason for that. I don't think it's because he's, 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 he's off form. You know, he's he's stri- you know these stri- coming back from COVID is not you know he's, I've not had to suffer, so I don't know what the impacts yep. are. You hear all these reports, you hear all these people talking about COVID. It's going to take months to recover, and that's why you're not seeing these players as sharp as they would have been two three months ago pre-COVID. Well, guess listen, that's, a, that's a good something. point. It's a very good point. And, guys, I want to ask you that because, again, it's funny. We're just talking about it here where I live, basically criticizing some of the players here in Boston who are bringing up their struggles with COVID-19. I think it's real. And I think, you know, and, again, I think Fulham have been affected by it. So you guys have played the game, you know, and, again, we're still learning about the effects that COVID have on, on everyone. Gordon, shouldn't we be factoring in? What COVID has affected some of our players? 
I think I think we should do, to be perfectly honest with you. But I think a lot of people, because they are elite athletes and they're out there training, I don't know, they could be training five, six, six days a week these days. Um, then I, I, th- I think that everybody thinks they are 100% every time they go out on the pitch. No. And it, it, it's obviously not the case because, as, as two of you have already said, it's a situation if, if they have gone down with COVID, we don't know what it's done to, shall we say, the lungs. And that exactly. is one big, one big tank that you need going at 100% if you're running up and down that pitch sort of right. three times a week these days. Um, so uh, sort of Saturday, Tuesday or Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. So I think it's got to come into the equation. And obviously, we don't know who's really suffered with it uh, or we what symptoms no. they've got. But it's it's going to be a situation when you look at the squad of players that we've got and probably the amount of games that the majority of them are playing then I've always said up until this conversation that we're having now that if you play Saturday uh, and, and Tuesday, then you can have Sunday off, come in. It's a warm down on a Monday, play Tuesday, but have Wednesday, Thursday off, come back in Friday. But I, I think the, the regime these days is that yep. you're literally in the day after a game and then you're training two days before the next game and then you're training two days, three days before the next game. It's bound to take its effect unless yep. you've got that rotational system in place uh, and you've got a, a big enough squad with the quality at this level to interchange players. And I don't think we've got enough quality in a lot of positions to change it. And, and you just look at the performances of some of the players when they've come in for the cup games. Yeah. I've said before that that's their chance to uh, really shine and put pressure on the manager for the next game. And the, the QPR game, hardly anybody shone in that game. And then we get knocked out in the next round because we had literally 10 players or 11 players that didn't right. turn up for the game. So yeah. it could well be COVID, but but we will never know probably until mm-hmm. the end of the season when perhaps right. some of the truths come out. And I know we'll, we'll be speaking about forwards later on. Yes. But you just got to look at the what Mitrovic has done this year. And he's mm-hmm. not been the same player from start, even having a rest, to, yep. to, to, to the, the, the position that we find ourselves now. But that's coming up later. Okay, very good. All right. Rob, quickly, your thoughts on this, and then we'll uh, move on to part two. Yeah, as I say, I mean, we're all speculating as to what players. I mean, we can all we can all identify who might, if they're going through a, a, a bad bad vein of form, then you'll 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 automatically say, well, he must have been one of the three or four that had COVID. And, you know, you pick out the, the likes of Anguisa and Lookman and uh, who, who are two that are probably uh, the regular first teamers of, yep. of form has very has been dipping since Christmas or since the alleged uh, COVID incidents, if they were two of the three or four that did have it. But um, as I say, I think, as Gordon says, they are elite athletes and, and, and to what strain they've had, whether it's mild or, if it is, uh, if it has been affected their body, then it can take weeks and weeks and weeks. And exactly. the way Anguissa has played that recently, you think it, it must have affected him. Lookman seems to have perhaps up a bit the last four or five games, but you know, to to, to where Frank was being number one in the yeah. Premiership yeah. for every then, stat going until Christmas, yeah, he, he, he's dipped down. You know, he slowly showed a little bit the other night, but. You know, he is he is he was up there with the best of the best. Exactly, the that's my point, Rob. 
these players don't become bad overnight, as we always say. And that's why I don't think we're factoring enough into this. And that's why I wanted to bring it up because I think it's a factor. And, you know, again, we don't have, we think we know who they are and we're talking about them. But again, I think we just need to bring that up because I think it's a factor in what's going on with Fulman. It's something that they're still, I believe, overcoming. Okay. Coming up next, we're going to talk about the midfield and the strikers and analyze them with Rob and Gordon. And we're going to finish up with some of your questions. Okay, guys, this is the part of the show where I, I'm just fascinated by your thoughts because I'm going to put both of you in the shoes of Scott Park and what you would do if you were the manager. So, Rob, I'm going to start with you. Let's talk about the mid, the central midfield. I want to focus on them. And because, again, we're talking about the defense being solid. But Fulham need more goals. Let's just say it. They need more goals. And it's not just the strikers up front, the struggles that, that they're having. It all it also is involving the midfield. So you're Scott Parker. How do you manage your central midfield? Because there are a lot of moving parts. We'll talk about Tom Kearney in a second because he's probably going to be back at some point. But if you're him, what would you be doing with your central midfield? Yeah, I mean, obviously, he, he has rotated the, the midfield. I mean, probably not as much recently as he did probably the, the first six games of this run uh, where he had probably uh, more access to players. But, uh, I mean, he, I mean, looking at someone like Harrison Reed and Lamina, it's one or the other for me. It's not yeah. both. In some games, he, you know, he's played them both together, but it's, it's one or the other. Um, if Frank is back to the form pre-Christmas, then... You know, he has got to fit in there somewhere because he's a game changer. Um, Loftus has come to the come to the to the show now the last five or six games. So again, it's just identifying where Loftus fits in because people say he's a number ten, is he a number eight? He seems to do a lot of his good work on the right hand side. It's always down the right hand yeah, side of, of, our, of our box. Uh, and as as I touched on earlier, if he's become if he's going to become our number ten. He needs to weigh in with more goals and more assists, which he's not done this season. Uh, gradually got better game by game and, and, and rightly so, won a few man of the matches. Um, but I just think he needs to add that to his game. The, the likes of Bobby Reid, if he's going to play, I, yeah. I think our best, the best way we play is probably a flat back four. Harrison Reid sitting in front. I'd play 4 1, 2, 2, yeah. 3. You know what I mean? Depending, it could be Lookman, Mudger, or Mitro. Bobby or Cavalera on the right, but okay. I, I've I've got a tendency that because because um, because uh, Loftus does a lot of his work on the right hand side, I think he could play right of a free or or a little bit of a free 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 roaming role as well. Um, but Harrison Reed definitely starts for me. I, yes. I like him better than Lamina as a holding midfield player. I'd give Frank the benefit of the doubt for, that he should be back to full fitness and give him that license to play alongside Harrison or just in front of him. Um, but I think Scott is going to be changing it game by game, depending on who we're playing. You know, the, the, See, that's what I was going to ask you. Is this more opponent-based because he has so many will be. moving parts? Yeah, it will be. I mean, I, I think he'll probably have a vision in his mind who we're playing against Man City. He'll probably be just – he might play Lamina Amri to think, right, well, we know we're not going to get yeah. nothing, but we don't want to get right. a 4 or 5 nil spanking. So I'll put two holding central midfield players there and we'll play a little bit more cautious. Uh, which is fine, you know, it's yep. negative, but it's fine in my eyes that we don't go into that game if we've had a couple of good results before that, that you would suddenly get a spanking in it, denser confidence for the last seven or eight. So he might play them two there. Um, but, you know, when Kearney comes back, which we'll talk about later, yep. 
you know, give him options uh, as well. Um, but yeah, we do need more goals. From, uh, and Gordon mentioned it earlier. We yep. do not get enough bodies forward into the box. He's right. When we're when when we're at when we're at full speed or even slow speed, we we just don't get people beyond the centre forward, whether it be Major or Mitro. No one goes running beyond from deep line midfield players. Okay, so that's going to lead me to talk about Kearney and Ruben Loftusik. You've been on the show before, and you said they can play together. I I think you have a vision of how this could work. So let's talk about when Kearney is able to come back. It sounds like he could be potentially coming back, hopefully soon. So how would this work, Rob? Yeah, I mean, they did have one or two games before Tom, obviously Tom's form got him dropped out before his injury. Um, And and at that stage, Loftus probably wasn't the player he is now. Um, I personally think they both can play because they're both good footballers. They're both like receiving the ball under pressure. I think in the premiership, you you need people that ball retention is key and part of the game. As much as we like to mix it up, we still need to keep the ball. I think Tom's probably watched how we've played the last 10 games while he's been sitting, sitting injured, unfortunately, and seeing how the speed that we do play out. And I think he, hopefully when he comes back, he'll, he'll identify and Scott will reiterate to him, we want to keep that that sort of genuine pace going when we're trying to break the break the thirds down. Um, but yeah, I would I would definitely see Tom fitting into, in, into the side, whether it be with Harrison and, and Anguissa as the as the three so-called midfield players. And as I mentioned earlier on, I think um, I think Loftus can definitely play on the right of three. Okay. Don't have to stay up there or start there. He could have a bit of a free role, but he seems to do all his natural good stuff from the right side coming in. Okay. I was going to say, we... say, Rob, Go how ahead, much have you missed him? You know, we've talked about just, how... Just took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> how well we've played, how competitive we are. How Have we missed Tom? Or have we missed that bit of quality to unlock a defence and maybe create more opportunities for our forwards. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think we've... I think we've definitely missed his, his presence on the ball. I mean, uh, some supporters would, would disagree with me that we, we haven't missed him because he that in their eyes he doesn't do enough off the ball. But I think he, before his injury and before some of them games, he was actually performing yeah. probably higher than he had done for many, many months. Mm. And I think the knee injuries come along, obviously it was from early on in the season, but yep. I think it just become became too too much of a problem for him. But I think um, he was starting to show that tenacity uh, off the ball, which which people have said that he's been guilty of. I thought he was showing a little bit of that, or, or a lot of that, to be fair, in some of the games before he actually, dis- you know, the medical dis- decided that his knee injury was a little bit more mm. serious than, than than they all thought. But um, yeah, I think he, I definitely think he come back. I, I think if he comes back in a two or three three weeks, it'd be like a it'd be like a new signing because he's going to be fresh. He'd be fit. Mm-hmm. I think he'll give us the the impetus and the quality to to finally get us over the line and get us enough points that we'll need. I've heard some people say that. That's why mm-hmm. I wanted to bring up that Kearney could actually be a difference going to the towards the end of the season. And and Rob, I think you make a strong argument for that. But again, before we move on and go go over to Gordon and talk about the strikers. I want to ask you uh, this question, okay? So, Rob, when Kenny returns to the starting 11, who's your captain? Because I think it's going to be difficult to take it away from Anderson because, again, uh, he's building something special there. And would it be a big difference if then you had to give it back to Kenny with chemistry? I'm curious your view on that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's a, Anderson's done done very well in, in being a, a leader and a defender, and he seems to be a little bit more vocal uh, than probably Tom demonstrates from from the from the sideline, um, 
Me personally, I, I would probably keep Anderson as captain, as, okay. as the on the on the on the pitch captain. I would keep Tom definitely as club captain. Um, it takes the weight off his shoulders coming back into 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 that final. See, final, I totally you know, agree with that. One less he's, thing he's got no pressure on him play. as an individual. He yeah. can just concentrate on his own game. Exactly, and, you know, come back and just play and just leave everything as it is behind him, and he can he can do the. You know the constructive uh, bits that he needs to do going forward, and it takes the pressure off his shoulders that um, you know he hasn't got that alongside him. Not that you know, as a captain of a Premiership side, there carries pressure. It carries pressure, whether it be on the pitch, media, off the pitch. You know, so you know, let's take that away from him for the last six or eight games whenever he comes back, and let him just flourish with the natural talent he's got. Okay, Gordon, I want to get your view on that as as a player. Would you leave it with? Uh... Anderson and Rod brings up a good point because it might also free up Kearney not to have to worry about that right now and just be able to just play his game. Yeah, to- totally agree with Rob on that. I keep Anderson as as captain because he is more vocal. Every game that you watch uh, on the box, if anything is going on and people are talking on the pitch, they focus in on Anderson with the, with the cameras and he's talking to people you can see him sort of pointing out or or doing things with his with his hands to explain to people what he wants them to do so I would leave that as it is and if Tom comes back in um, I think to be perfectly honest with you if as Rob said you've got Anguissa and Reed uh, in the middle of the park I think Tom could fit into that number 10 position because if you look from the Everton game where everybody had a great game, the only person that was really hitting the target from outside the box is little old Harrison Reed, And yeah. the second goal came came from his shot. Yeah. Now he's getting more shots in from a midfield point of view than anybody else on that, on that pitch. Mm-hmm. So the person who scores goals from that position is Tom Kearney. And he, he, he just bends them into to, top left or top right hand corner yep. from 20 yards without any effort at all and it's goals like that and yes the phrase is goals change games yep. but if Tom Kearney gets two or three shots and he scores one early on in the game and I've had a go at him in the past that he scored a goal in the, the 85th minute and it's his first shot at goal yeah. Yeah. if you put him in that number 10 position you, you could find that he's getting four, five, six, seven shots a, a game and then that gives you the option of of the wide men, as as Rob was mentioning. Rob yep. Loftus Cheek to me is not a number ten. He's better coming in from wide, and then you can use Luckman or Decadover Reed on the opposite side because I feel as though Cavaliero um, is doing a knockout at the moment, and he's really? not producing wide. He's not getting crosses in. Uh, his quality hasn't been the best. And I think he's been lucky, in my opinion, to be starting games. Now, whether that's through injuries or what, I don't know. But I think that uh, uh, Loftus-Cheek can do well. And put it this way, if he's coming in from the right and the ball is being crossed from the left, you've got a six-foot-two, six-foot-three person coming in on the far post. So if Mitrovic isn't isn't up, up, up yep. the middle, then yep. you've got somebody to worry about on the far post. But I think the one thing that... I would say uh, is yes. I'll, I'll agree with Rob with everything he says about the defenders and the midfield players. If you're going up front, the only thing that we haven't had up front is a natural goal scorer, and I think that's really if Mitrovic is off form, 
And you look at last season, if he wasn't producing the goods, we may have won a lot of games just by the odd goal. And you can't mm. do that. In, you can't do that in the Premier League and just agree. put on a, 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 a show of going forward and just creating three chances in a game. You're not going to get away with that. And the problem is we've, we haven't had an ideal replacement for him. And if you use that phrase, a natural goal scorer, we haven't had one until Madger has come on board. Okay, we're going to talk about that in a second. I'm going to transition, and we're going to talk about the striker position. Before we do that, I'm actually going to bring on another co-host who will be finishing up the show when we get to the Q&A section. But I want to bring him on right now. Giannis, welcome to the show. Welcome. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We're still talking about the uh, striker position, and I'll I'll be going with with, uh, Gordon about that. But you're going to be finishing up and asking questions to the guys. But welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you. We've got the legends in, in Ivor, Robbo, and Teddy in the house. This is all good. And I've been listening to the conversation. It's been great stuff. Some great stuff here. And what has been a really intriguing season to be a Fulham fan, for sure. Lots of talking points. Okay, good stuff. All right. Giannis, I'll be with you in just a few, but I definitely want to just uh, now focus on the striker position with Gordon. So, Gordon, I'm going to put you now in the shoes of Scott Parker. How do you manage the strikers? You just mentioned Maja, and I'm curious your view on him. And also, we have to talk about what's going on with Mitro and how do we get him firing on all cylinders? Is it a mental issue with him I'm talking about because, you know, he's had a really tough season. Then, of course, now he's dealing with COVID. There's a lot going on here. How do we get him back to the player that we've seen before? Can they play together? There's a lot to talk about with the strikers. I'm curious your view on if you're Scott Parker, how do you manage them? I think you manage the players around them. Both of them are, uh, if I say, use the phrase goal-scoring machines. and They're both natural goal-scorers. But Mitro has been living off scraps for 18 months. He's been getting one, two, maybe three chances in a game uh, that he's the only striker in there and he's jumping with two centre-halves. And if it's not perfect then he just gets a soft header and it bounces into the arms of the keeper or he's trying to put too much power in and it's going over the bar. So to get Mitro back on song, if he is fully fit, you've got to play him and you've got to work on the wide men and the fullbacks and people in and around him getting service into him that he can can feed off. And same with Madger. He scores two goals, he has two chances in his first game, well, two and a half chances. In his first game, he puts two away. The game after that, he didn't get a chance. He didn't get a shot at goal. Oh, sorry, Burnley was, um, he had one shot on the on the turn, I think, from 16 yards. Uh, and then the Sheffield United game, he didn't have one chance in the game. Because, as I mentioned earlier, when we get in that final third, I think once the white players start moving in, and we haven't got somebody going around around overlapping, then the chances break down. And when it goes from the wide midfield player to the left back, for instance, and they knock it in so he controls it and goes square. Hardly ever do we knock a soft ball into the person in that left back or right back position to knock in first time. And, and, when you know what's happening with players, you can, as a forward, you can start making a move. You can be disinterested 
And then as you know, that ball has been laid back. It's been laid back to come in first time. You're disinterested and then you move and go for it. And without that knowledge of when that ball is coming in, you can either do one of two things. You can either make a move every time you think the ball's going to come in and it doesn't. And then when you're sitting on your, on your heels and you're not expecting it to come in, one's whipped in and people are having a go at you saying, well, why weren't you on the end of it? And you can, like, I'll bring Rob in on this because yep. from Rob's point of view, Rob was one of the best timers of runs into the box. If Dean Coney and myself split, Rob would make mm. the run in between us because he knew that the ball was coming in. But if he doesn't know when the ball's coming in, in the end, he stops running in there. And then when that ball does come in, I'm turning around and saying, where the bloody hell are you? And it's not come <laughs> in for an hour, and then suddenly a ball comes in. So mm. I think you've got to work on the people and the service into the front mm. lads, whether you play okay. one or two, or you've got people coming in from wide. They should know or have some idea when that ball is coming into the six-yard box, 18-yard area, because you can work off that. But when you don't know when it's coming in, there's no hope for... Mitchell, there's no hope for Madger. I would be pulling my hair out if I played in this team. And I would be having a go okay. at the wide players or whoever's on the ball to get that ball in the box. Because, as I mentioned earlier, if you're only creating three chances a game, and we have in some games, and it's fallen to Cavaliero, Luckman, uh, Decadova Reed, uh, because they're not, and, and Loftus Cheek is another one. Because they're not natural strikers, they've always tended to snatch at it and they put it mm. over from eight yards. They've not hit yep. the target. And, and as I'd say to anybody, hit the target, make the keeper make a save. If he makes a save, it's fine. But they're always trying to whip it in because they're coming in mm. on, onto a ball that's been knocked across from the, the dead ball and pulled back. And you've got to get this, a perfect sort of contact on it to keep it down with power because... It's the one chance that you've had in the first 70 minutes of a game. So you, you snatch at it and then you think, right, when's the next one going to come in? So I, w- I would work, if I was Scott, I would work on okay. the players getting this, this, the right kind of service into the box so that forwards or the midfield players can attack that ball. We are st- attacking balls from a standing jump because we don't know when it's coming in. And if you're, if you're attacking it from a standing jump, unless you're six foot four, you're not going to get it on the end of anything. But a six foot four centre half marking me, if I can get half a yard in front of him, I'll have a chance of, of getting that ball uh, and put it in the back of the net. But put it up there, I've got no yeah. chance. Um, so that's one thing that I would certainly yep. work on is the wide players and the service into the box. Because, okay. uh, and also from, from a midfield player's point of view, there's only Harrison Reed shooting. And Guise has had one or two. I was going to say, somebody, on Facebook, somebody on Facebook mentioned that he's the only player that looks like a Rolls Royce when he's got the ball, <laughs> when he's shooting, and he looks like Derek Trotter's van. So he's going to work on getting that, uh, getting that shot on target because he, he can strike a ball. But we've only yes. got Harrison Reed shooting from 20 yards and all the other... Players, it's as if they're saying, I'd rather pass it wide, give the problem to somebody else. If you're a forward, you want that problem in front of you to score goals. That's what you paid for. Yes, do a bit of defending as well, but that's what you paid for, to win games. And I think those are certainly some things that I would work on with regards to the front lads. Okay. 
Rob, what's your view on this? Because uh, Gordon kind of brought you into this talking about the midfield. What are your thoughts on what he shared? Yeah, I think I think he's right. I was saying, and Mitro. I mean, obviously, Madger's come in, and and you look at his two runs for the Everton goals. Well, you know, I, I don't think they're the type of runs that Mitro Wood does. You know, Madger looked like he he made that sort of that half a yard run to go to the front, and then dropped off. Yeah, there were two two yard tappings, but I, I said to my wife at, at that night, I said Mitro wouldn't have scored them goals because he wouldn't have made them runs and two fortunate runs. That I mean, the first one was was a good run. Uh, all these goals have been, like you say, hard, hard goals that he's had to either generate himself because of the the, the lack of quality, as, as Gordon says, from the wide areas. I think Joe Bryan is only a natural left-footed player that would put crosses in with regularity. Um, I think Tete is starting to do that on the right-hand on, side. On the right. yeah. he, he's one. I mean, look at, uh, I don't know if you remember, the Oliver Norwood ball he whipped in the other oh, day. Oh, fantastic. And it, were, it, it ended up being a diving Emilio talked the about the fear of... Uh... But that was that was yeah. that was um you know he never looked Oliver knew what he was doing he just yes. came back to him and he whipped point. it if that had been us we'd have had another touch yeah. made it square yeah. again but he just whipped yeah. it in Beckhamish great point you know and and it, 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 in between the keeper and the defenders and it was nearly a goal scoring opportunity we don't do that type of cross you know we would no, have had another that's touch a great on point that. yeah that's Emilio you brought that up that's a yeah great we've point. said it time and time again haven't we I think the problem as well is. We do a lot of the hard work in centre midfield, but it's that final ball, that bit of quality where it counts. You know, we're trying to do this, you know, trying to pass it, you know, 100 touches to get it into the penalty area. Be more done. Look at Aina. He was, you know, he got down the byline. He, he drilled the ball into the six-yard box. Thank you very much, Madge. He, he polished up. How often have we done that this season? Not Ryan often enough. All in a few games he's played this season. Yeah. Tete, inconsistent. Robinson's crossing is abysmal, let's be frank. And our corners, I know some of the fans are commenting... Even our corners are not, not good enough. We haven't got an Oliver Norwood type of person who could just get balls consistently in the right area. So we then feed on to Mitrovic, like Gordon is saying, yep. or we pick up loose scraps. But we're not. We're, our crossing is just a business. That final ball, even Lookman does the hard work. Get into the get into the penalty area and square the ball in the six yard box. Don't try to walk the ball into yep. the six yard box. If Lookman just be a little, we'd see a, a stronger version of Lookman. That's what we're missing at the moment. It's, so what the guys are saying, I totally concur. But it's just that final ball, not good. enough. Or we try to walk it, do like Arsene Wenger's team were doing many years ago, right. trying to ball into the net. And unfortunately, we're not quite there yet, being an Arsene Wenger type team. But it's that final quality of ball. We've said it time and time again on many on yep. many of these shows. It's not good enough. Okay, very well, good. Well, as, as you said, Emilio, it, it's a, it's a situation. The last time we had two tappings um, in the six yard box yep. was in the Championship when we played Luton away, and Bobby Deckard over Reed got two tappings oh, yes. in the six yard yeah. box. Yeah. And I thought, right, he could fit into that number 10 position because mm. he was the only person that we had in the team that was following balls in. And he's not done it since. No. And until no. Madger comes on board, we've been looking yep. for somebody to be in those positions for a good 12 months. Yeah, yeah you're right. And it's, it, it, it plays on people's minds. Sometimes mm. forwards don't mind missing because I didn't mind missing a chance because because I knew there was another one coming. But at right. the moment, players, I think, are, 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 are snatching and worried about missing a chance. And I think that sometimes that's why they pass it to somebody else. You miss it rather than me. Because I always knew with the team that I played in, I missed one, they would still put the ball in there and I'd go in again and again and again and I'd score. But if you don't go in there, you're never going to score goals in, yeah. in that sort of six, eight, ten-yard area. 
Oh, good stuff. Good stuff. One final topic, and then I'm going to go to Giannis for you, Gordon. How do we get Metro firing? Um, I think you've just got to. I think you've just got to play him. As I said, when we started that that answer, you've just got to play him if he's fit enough to play. You can't suddenly bring him on with ten minutes to go and expect him to get on the end of a cross. I think you've got to start him, but you've got to keep putting the balls in there. If you have a look at his goal scoring record for Serbia, I think he's only got two or three to go to become their record goal scorer. But a lot of the the, the goals that he gets are from crosses. And that's crosses yes. probably level level with the 18-yard box. But with with Fulham, as I've said earlier, he goes in 90 minutes, he might have one or two half chances. And to be perfectly honest with you, even I would drop my head playing in a team that only gives you some rations to, to, to eat yeah. rather than having a five-course meal. And if, we, if Mitro plays, you've got to get 10, 15, 18 crosses in See, in I there. agree with this. I totally agree with you, Gordon, and that's been a frustrating thing watching Fulham. It's why aren't they playing to his strengths? Yeah, it, it, it does surprise me because, as I say, you've only got to look at where is his strength. He's not going to run in behind defenders. He hasn't no. got the pace. He can hold it up, but we've always, in the round the box, we've, we've never got enough players close to him. So you can one touch or two or lay it off. Somebody else has a shot and scores. We get down the line, um, and as, as Rob alluded to this as well, we go square. We go back. When we've got a chance mm-hmm. of knocking it in, we have a look up and we come back out again. And for us to get to from one box to the other, it could take us, or even from the halfway line to the edge of the box, it could take us 15 passes. And Mitrovic is waiting there. And yeah. when it does get down there and they cut inside, as happened last year many times with Knockart and Cavaliero, because they're playing on the wrong side of the pitch. Uh, yep then the chances evaporate. And when you're expecting to get on the end of things and they're just not coming in, I can't have a go at him for dropping his head, but you can get so frustrated that you you start pulling your hair out. And I've not seen him have a go at anybody, but if I'd no. have been playing, I would have had a go at the white players for, for not getting it in there because he's an international striker and he scored 30-odd goals for Serbia. And what has he scored this year? Five, four or five? Five. I think he's got five like in the league. And yeah. when you look at the amount of goals that we've scored in the league, well, I've, I've, I've got them in front of me. Next one is Luckman on four. Bobby Decker, Dover Reed, five, sorry. Luckman, four. Mitrovic, in 10 games, he scored two goals. And for your centre forward, when you're halfway through the season, I know he's he hasn't played that much, but in yep. 10, 10 games to score two goals, even at this level is not a good return. And that's not not having a go at him. He just hasn't had the service. And as I said, when we started, he hasn't had the service, in my opinion, for 18 months. Okay. Excellent stuff. Great stuff. All right. I'm going to turn it over to you, Giannis. All right. It's time for Q&A with Giannis and questions from the Fulham supporters. So if you have a question for Robert Gordon, please feel free to leave it in the comment section. But Giannis, I'm going to leave it to you to uh, ask Rob and Gordon whatever you'd like to end the show. Actually, I was, gonna, I was going to – compliments to both. Ivy, you said um, something about the quality of the crosses wide. And uh, 
last the Sheffield United game um, in the first half, we had a breakaway, nice breakaway. Cavs goes on the right, cuts inside, and just shoots it. And to me, it's all about that decision-making piece. And for the wingers, if you're someone like Mitra, you're right. You're pulling your hair out and you're saying, "What am I doing here? If I am going to, if I'm going to feed off rations and get one or two chances a game, I'd be going." ballistic. The other thing actually was to Robbo, and what I remember of Robbo in that team in the 80s is isn't just so much the runs that he made from midfield, but was the angles. Robbo for me was never a straight line late runner. He was a curved. So he made the late runs and he also, often I found he caught he caught back fours a little bit off of colour there. So I think that's an important thing. It's it's not just about the, the, the central midfielders making the runs, it's the timing of the runs. I think the Robbo was excellent in that in, the, in those days, because that's often coaches say, make the run, but what kind of run are you looking at? You know, you've got, you've got to curve, you've got to up the run, you've got to keep defenders honest so that you're going into space, and if you've got man-to-man marking, you run into all sorts of trouble. So, first question of the day, um, it's from Nick. Um, great question. Guys, what about our attacking corners? Why are we so poor at scoring from them? Well, me or you, anybody? Rob, who wants to go first? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll go first. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, there's not many teams in the Premiership that are probably, um, you know, very, very good at corners. I mean, I haven't looked at the stats to see where we are languishing down the bottom, though. But um, yeah, I, we've got six foot two, six foot three centre halves, and I think it's all about the timing and, and, and the quality of the. Sometimes we look a bit inept, and we don't know what what we're doing. You know, it might be one arm or two arm, and. You know, it's all about, I mean, it's split second runs in, in the box. I mean, Tossin, to be fair, has got into a couple of good goal scoring mm-hmm. heading positions and probably should have done better and hit the target and scored. Um, but yeah, the, now and again, there's the, you look at other teams, the way they do corners, I think and some of them are really, you know, some a lot of innovation going into them. But I think we've, we've been found wanting on that. On that. And um, hopefully... Uh, Hopefully, if we can score a, a goal or two from a corner in the coming games, we'll, 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 we'll be a lot happier. Yeah, I, 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 I think you're right, Rob, because I, th- I think I don't think we've scored off a set piece or a corner all season. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think we have. And to me, you mentioned, you mentioned one, one phrase there, ta- the timing of the run. I honestly think that we are going much too early. We're starting our runs too early. And we're already in the position when the ball gets there and everybody is now good doing going up from a standing jump. Now, you want to time your run, as, as Roger Brown used to, you want to time your run so you're getting there a, a yard before it comes or two yards before it comes to you, so you're starting to go up in the air off a run. As soon as you stop and you've got a standing jump, a six-foot-two, six-foot-three fella will jump six-foot-eight. But if you're going on a run, he'll jump seven feet. And that's when you've got a chance to get above the ball and head it down. And I think a lot of them are going too early and the timing is totally off with, with our corners. But when you think that we've played 25 games and, um, and we may not have even scored a goal from a corner, from a, from a direct header, I think that's, that's poor from my point of view. Uh, and it's one thing that the, uh, the coaching staff should look at because we are just trying to hit an area in the, the, the near post, far post area. And that's all we've been trying all, all season. One thing I cannot work out and we've not done it even when we had Breda Hangel and playing, 
when Rob and myself played, uh, we stuck Tony Gale on the near post and he would go towards a six-yard box uh, along the dead ball line, as it were, or in, inside that six-yard area. Yep. A short ball was knocked in. The Gailey just helped it off the top of his head. Just It just flicks on and flicks off. He's not going like that to try and force it back to the back post. And then you've got Dean Coney going for the second ball, Willow going for the second ball, Brownie going for the second ball, me probably going for the third ball after they've headed it off the keeper. But it's something that when you've got six for two, six for three people, then we've had bad options about not clearing a first man. Now we're putting it too high up. So put a six foot two, six foot three person on that near post, get him to come short, try and hit him, attack the second ball. And the best teams that used to score many, many goals from it were Arsenal. When you had yep. Bowl flicking it on and Tony Adams coming in and nobody could stay with him. And if you're if you've made a proper run, then people can't defenders can't do this to you and start holding on to you if you time in your run properly. If you're standing still then there's arms everywhere. And because forwards and defenders do it, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. So, um, yeah, the timing of the run uh, for, for corners or set pieces, I think, has been diabolical all season. And we need to look at that if we want a, a chance of scoring goals from set pieces. And to be fair, Ivor, if you look at our team, it was mentioned in the Sheffield United game on, on Saturday that we are a big team. We, yes. We're not a team blessed yeah. with small players. We've got some monsters in this lineup that can go up there and call Yeah, and, you, and you've, got to, you, it, you've yes. got to use them. You've got to use yeah. them. You've got to use it's them. Pointless. Yeah. Yeah. You may as well not send them up if you're going to have everything. Just put it in the, in the mix and all 20 of us go for it. It's not going to yeah, work. Absolutely. It is, it is weird. Now, Des Lynch has just asked a question that's just going to blow your mind. If we could sign just one of our fabulous lone players, who should it be? Oh. Oh. Good question. Well, I, I'll go first this time, Rob. <laughs> Give me time to think because I think you've done it already. If if we could sign one of them, um, I would say you've you've got to sign Anderson. I agree. <laughs> purely because of the fact that he whoever's around him, he's gonna make them better players at the back. And you've got to have a solid. You've got to have a solid defence first. You can't sign Lionel Messi up front uh, on loan and then have him as a player if you're giving three or four at the back and you're expecting him to score five or six. So Anderson mm. for me. Right uh, for me, I, I'd, I'd go the opposite. I'd sign Lookman. Wow, really? I, th- I, I, I think the kid's got. A massive future. Uh, I, I think we've seen an element of it this, this season. Um, it, it obviously, you're just thinking of the sell-on bit. fee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm his agent. Um, yeah, no, I, th- I think the kid. I think the kid's got. He's got. He's got a great future. You know, I think he's only young. We forget how young he is and the pressure that are playing regular in this division. You know, obviously came in. Uh, Everton when he was even younger and he's gone away and learned in a different country and come back. He's gone through the West Ham scenario. If he has been one of the ones that have had COVID, he seems to have come through that. Yeah, he's a game changer. And I think if we're to have any longevity in the Premiership when we survive this season, he will be key to uh, grabbing and helping getting the goals for us to stay in this, stay in this division and, 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 and future years on, gone by. 
Fabulous question, Des. Uh, I, luckily, I think we've got Ariola on an £8 million uh, option to buy, so we better get the checkbook out for that one. This one's for you, Robbo. Um, for you, Edward, Edward Seven has asked, who is your favourite player to watch on the current side? I think I already know that. Um, yeah, I mean, as I say, it, it can change game by game, but, I mean, for longevity, for the good run that we've had, um, I, w- I would say, you know, Lookman's, Lookman's changed more games than, than than he's been poor. But then again, I like Harrison Reed these last five or six games. He reminds me of me old me old mucker in Ray Lou, the little ginger pocket dynamo. <laughs> uh, you know, he loves a tackle. He can pass. He can starting to shoot, as Gordon alluded to earlier. He's had a couple of shots recently. He gives you 10 out of 10 every game. He's a busy player. Players seem to react off him and with him. Um, you know, he, he's not shy on, on getting a tackle. And, he's not, and his quality is he knows what his limitations are. He gets it, gives it to Kearney or, or to Loftus or to, to Frank. You know, players that are going to be a bit more explosive in terms of developing that final third. So, you know, it's a difficult one, but um, you know, if I if I were paying money to watch uh, any of our forwards uh, on his day, I think Lookman it can be the uh, can be the number one. I don't want you to feel left out, either. This is one from Steve Reynolds. I'd love to hear your response. <laughs> he's going to love one. this. Oh, he's going to love this one. Uh, with VAR, how many penalties would you have won? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, it, it certainly would have been enough to uh, uh, to get us out of the predicament that we're in at the moment. If I was playing in this team, um, I think it's it it's really frustrating with VAR because um, I, I was talking about this maybe fifteen years ago, maybe even be twenty years ago, when there was a, a discussion at the cottage with a live audience there, um, and I said, "You've got to bring something like that in." because you've got to get the big decisions right. Because it, it, it was then a multi-million pound game. It's a billion pound industry now. And the deci- it was my idea was to bring it in to help the referees if there is uh, a dubious decision that you need to look at. The way they are using it now is, is I think, totally unacceptable for not only the supporters but for the players and the management because they've tried to tweak it so that now you can't have your wrist offside. It's now your your shirt sleeves. Um, but but I, I, I put a stupid uh, post on Facebook about um, Australian rules rugby where their, their shirt sleeves are up here, so there's nothing from there down. So And I said, Fulham's new kit for next season. Um, and, and people thought it was a good idea because if your shirt sleeve now starts up here like a vest, then you can have your whole arm off uh, and it's not going to be picked up on. Mm-hmm. To give somebody offside for this much of their knee or their foot um, or their, their their nose is offside, then I think is absolutely ridiculous. And from a, um, a penalty point of view, yes, I would have got quite a few more penalties because... Uh, I know Rob's probably going to smile at this, but I never dived. I always used to make sure that I made contact with defenders. So if it meant me getting injured, then I would put my foot just between the ball and where the defender is so that I knew that I was going to get kicked. And sometimes after Lockheed scored the penalty, 
and the other team had kicked off, I was still limping because I put my foot in an area where I knew it was going to get hit. I never dived over, over goalkeepers. Um, I always kicked them in the chest uh, so that it takes your leading foot away. So if, you, right. if your leading foot isn't there, you've got to go down. So, yeah, I would have got quite a few more uh, penalties for the, for the club. But as I mentioned also, I probably would have had one or two goals knocked off as well. So Robbo, Only because done... of a little hand here or there. So, to over to Robbo, how, Robbo, how many times would you have been sent off with VAR? That's Martin Thompson's question. Well, oh, you would have only played 50 games in a career. I only, I, only, I only got sent off once in my career, and that was <laughs> against Portsmouth on a Friday night uh, at home at the cottage yes. um, with a late tackle on uh, uh, Mick Kennedy, who, who was kicking lumps out of me for the first 45 minutes. It was a funny story. Because we, we, he, he had a go at me just as before the uh, half time. We were walking down the tunnel, and I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll get my, I'll get me home back second half." Anyway, we kicked off, rolled the ball back to me, and I saw him coming at me, and I thought, "Well, I just went straight over the top of the ball," and and I didn't wait for the red. I'm walking back down the tunnel, and Bobby Campbell's coming down the tunnel and says to me, "Where are you going, Willow?" I said, "Sorry, Gaffer, I've just been sent off." Well, obviously, let rip, not only then, straight after the game. But that was my only sending off. But, yeah, uh, unfortunately, I think I would have picked up uh, a lot more yellows and probably a lot more reds in, 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 the, uh, in the position that I found myself in many a game. Very interesting. Hang on. Uh, like who's, who's, this going, who's this going for a header? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, I was. I always used to use my arms for leverage. If it if it got in the way of an odd defender's nose or head, then that was unfortunate. Oh, Good I think stuff. we've got one one question left, Ross, and, and, and so everybody's talked about this. It's a good one, uh, yep. Nick Townsend. Um, yep. What are you, guys? What's your view of uh, Ivan Caballero? Would you start him on a regular basis? I've got a bad feeling about the response to the, the responses to this one. It's a no from me. Yeah, no. The the quality isn't there. When we signed him, I think I put even in the program re- uh, notes that I do. I said. Yep. I'm glad that we've signed him. I said he's got quality, he's got pace, he can score goals. And to be perfectly honest with you, in the time that he's been here, he hasn't done any of those three on a regular basis. And I agree. To me, to me now, he's a, he's a, he's a five, ten-minute player at the end that might give you that little spark because he's fresh and everybody else is tired. But same with Rob, I wouldn't start him. Question yeah, on, just to enhance on that, I think... Um, yeah, he, he's a championship player at best. Um, and as I say, I think um, in the current squad, he's, he's, he's just a bit part player because I don't think he's got the quality there. He's fortunate, I think, that probably uh, out of the two of them we got rid of or, or knockout was the, the easier one to get rid of out on loan. I think they both could have gone at any stage, I think, because they were offering nothing at this level, to, uh, as Gordon alluded to all night, of quality for our main striker to get any any potential goals or chances. Okay. Giannis, we have one final question. Go, go for it. No, uh, and this excites me because if you go, you go back to the Liverpool game, the 1-1 game uh, earlier when we had 2,000 fans and just the noise that they made at the cottage was raucous and it was fantastic. So Nick Hartnell has uh, asked, what do you make of the prospect of 10,000 fans being able to watch the last match versus New- Newcastle? My understanding, Nick, though, is that the way that uh, Boris has set it up is that we would, because of the available 
uh, capacity we have at the cottage, we'd only have a four or five thousand. Am I correct in that? Something like that. Yeah, I think, like that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But it's still be good. It's a percentage. Yeah, still be. I mean, four. What do you what do you make? Let's say four or five thousand fans being able to watch us play the Magpies. How important will that be? That's going to be a six, uh, a stay up or get relegated match. Having those five thousand people in the stadium, how a big advantage would that be for us? Well, I think it would be. I, I mean, I think the, uh, the the good side of that, I think, will be uh, it'll be sorted before that game. I think that game will just see. see I like Rob's confidence. I like Rob's confidence. It, it, we we won't need to support that game. The only thing we'll need that support is just to cheer up, stand up, um, and 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 the other the other side of the coin, you know, is. Do we allow a percentage of Newcastle fans in? I was thinking the same thing. No, you know, so they won't be allowed. Head, no. So you no know, way. they're they're going to kick off about that when there's something to oh, play. Yeah. So I think I think there's some areas to be discussed on that. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think if, um, if 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 there are four and a half thousand in there, I just think that five hundred of those four and a half thousand Fulham supporters should wear black and white and go in the, the away end and cheer for Newcastle if they do anything good. Uh, but generally, just do it, as Yanis did, just do it on a silent basis. So if they get close to a goal, they can go, but not yeah. not make a noise, because it's one of those situations that Steve Bruce, if he's still there, um, yeah. and I think Newcastle will be uh, uh, up in arms if we've got 4,500 supporters oh. there anyway. Mm-hmm. And they've got nothing. No question about that. I agree yeah. with Rob. I've lo- I've looked at Burnley's running from now, Brighton's running, Palace's running, Southampton's, Brighton, Newcastle have got the worst running out of all that bottom six, seven, eight yeah. teams. And if we're fighting out for that last position with them, it'll have been done and dusted by the time that they come down to us. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Guys, fantastic show. Giannis, fantastic job. Finishing up the show, my friend. That was great. Any final Thank you. for the guys before before we wrap this up, Giannis? I'll, I'll give you the final word on this. Yeah, just uh, no, fa- fantastic show, and uh, and it has been an um, an incredible season. Uh, and just the, the, the fact that um, you know I, we've got the Palace on Sunday, and I, I put on Facebook. It's, it's to me, it's the battle between the young fox and the wily old fox. And um, when we played Palace it's down a bit like me being rough. <laughs> yeah, but you've got the white hair there, uh, Ivor. You're not going to get away with that one. Um, but when we played Palace, uh, we lost 2-1. Um, but it was, I think Harrison Reed scored in the last minute, but it wasn't that close. I mean, they, they kicked us off the park. They counter-attacked with two good goals. Riedewald and, and, and Zahar scored. I know we're much the better side. But the evolution of this team from that particular game, yeah. I think it's been seismic. And the game against Burnley last week cannot be understated. It was... You know, a Burnley represents an attack on the on the salt on the senses. Let's be honest. Um, but th- that was a very, very, very tough game for us to get a point. I think, in many ways, that was as good a performance as we had at Everton because mm. Turf yeah. Moor is a graveyard for us. Um, Burnley are a very physical, well organised side, and uh, even without Ben Me, I thought they, uh, you know, the, the way they attacked back at us when we scored our opening goal, I thought was, you know, it's testament to the way they play. Um, so with the games we've got left, I'm confident that what, the way Scotty has a set up that we're going to be fine. But um, I just don't want to repeat of the 2007, 2008 that great escape. I was mm. replaying. Uh, I was replaying Diamante Cameron's two goals at um, at uh, City of Manchester and yeah. Danny Murphy's penalty miss. 
still we're playing to see if he actually scored the rebound, you know. But um, I think we're going to be okay. I think we're playing well. And if the yep. players do their job, we'll hopefully do what Villa have done this year, uh, which is, um, you know, kick off to another level and keep our finger, uh, fingers crossed. But we'll be willing them on thousands of miles away for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, great stuff. Great stuff. Thank you to everyone. First, Emilio, before we wrap this up, great show. Great show. This is your idea, so I want to give you full credit on this. Yeah, just very entertaining. It's just it's good everyone having, you know, just, just talking positive. We've all been very positive tonight. We've talked, you know, there's lots to look forward to. I, I think we can agree with Yanis. I think we will stay up this season. You know, it won't be easy, but we, at the end of the day, there's enough games there, right? And you know, we, we, do, we know what Fulham are like. It's never easy being a Fulham supporter, is it? So it's no. uh, overall I've, I'm, a lot of optimism. We've got to push on next season. Scott Parker's got a good future ahead of him. And uh, yeah, it just needs all of us just to come on this show a little bit more often, show more positivity, and uh, yeah, it's that will give the, the boost to all our fans globally. So thanks very much for coming on the show tonight, guys. Absolutely. Yeah, Gordon thank Rob. you, Rob. Nice to thank see you, Yannis. So thanks for the questions. Rob, and... Rob, Cheers, Yannis. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. A big thanks Emilio to you, Russ and Emilio. All, all the shows you do, week in, week out, and well, days you, in, Rob. days out. It's it's massive to all our supporters all around the world, you know. So it's uh, it keeps us all going with mental health and you know the the, the, the longevity. I was only looking, you know, at Facebook this morning. A, a good yeah. old Fulham friend of mine, Alan Alan Druitt Druitt Senior. You know, he's having a tough time at the moment. You know, yeah. and he's you know he lost his job last year and he's in retirement and he's you know just give it, it, it when Fulham have a win, it, it perks him up. So absolutely. Well, yeah, keep going, Alan. It's uh, there's plenty of people out there to talk to, and uh, you know, last week, last week was a great week for you. It was, and uh, you know, and I'll just end it this way, and Emilio will attest to this because him and I talked last night. How Fulham has been an escape from us for what's going on with our daily lives right now, with with everything, and uh, we can do this together. And I think doing this show has been a benefit mm-hmm. for us, and hopefully for a lot of people watching and. And I want to thank everyone around the world that watches, listens to the show. It's actually given me a great deal. And thank you, everyone that's participated. It's funny because we're coming up uh, this summer on 10 years of Cottage Talk, which is amazing. I've gained so much from it. And uh, it's just amazing to think about it. But um, it's been fantastic for me. And it's just uh, wonderful that we could do this with such great people. But, guys, we do, we've do we gone way over. And I kept everyone way long. But I just want to just wrap this up. For my very special guests, Gordon Davis, Rob Wilson, my co-host, Emilio Donnell, and Yanis Janess, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.